1: Welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's game week on football and random things. First, before we get the podcast going, did you know the makers of Cody Road Bourbon are true authentic Cyclones? In fact, one of the owners used to be Cy. The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network is now fueled by Cody Road and the other great spirits made by the Mississippi River Distilling Company in LeClaire, Iowa. Support Cyclones and support CF by picking up a bottle at your favorite of your favorite product
0: today. Do you like yeah, bourbon, yeah, yeah. Jeff Woody? Yeah, well, I'm going to be for sure. This is the first year in a while that I'll actually be able to tailgate. Like, we're not, we're not, oh, a lot, huh? But not really. But I mean, in my mind, tailgate means not be working game day. Oh, yeah. So I'm um, sure I can find something for you to do if you want something to do. You know what? I, We're going to be on, we'll be in people's ears. We'll be in people's ears on game day, but we can't be outside the stadium. So we have to find some place because you have to be in the stadium on game day. So we have to like for our Saturday show, the magic of radio, we're going to have to record it like as late as we can on Friday. So we have accurate information, but you're going to have to be in the stadium and there's no place to do it up there because we can't set stuff up. So we're going to have to record it Friday. I'm going to be on, I'll still have my channel five stuff. But I'm gonna to have to do that midweek because they're not allowing anyone to be in this like the 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 camera footage. They're not doing camera credentials this year, so I'm gonna get me some uh, some Cotero Bourbon for my personal tailgate, which is gonna be at my fiance's dad's house. That'll be fun. You gonna smoke some meats? Probably yes. I think actually ribs are on the menu.
1: Oh man, that does sound good.
0: Right? Yeah,
1: I uh, I will be working. Meanwhile, you will, you will be, be. You'll probably be. Drunk,
0: like the hooligan that you are. <laughs> no, no, I can't because then I get too, um, not necessarily too critical, but like I just get too chattery when you're watching a game that I'm like, if, if I can't control my tongue and even still like we can get more into this. And I th- I think the biggest, the, the biggest thing that I think that you're going to need to, that, that is going to be watched early in the season is rust. And with rust comes dumb decisions like really stupid decisions and like that um it's not even necessarily like a quarterback's pass or like uh, it's like what is that guard doing it's a terrible decision so if i end up having too much too many spirits i end up getting too chatty and questioning people's decisions too far and no one else is paying attention because i'm asking what the fullback did as someone who has spent Mini
1: games sitting next to you in the press box. I don't want to even imagine what too chatty is. <laughs> are you saying that because I it, talk during the game? Yeah, you're making an assumption that you're not already chatty. So it's like, at what point do you sit there and you say, "I am talking too much now"?
0: I think the the I feel like my is some the insights are mostly good. Oh, yeah. Sometimes yeah. they're not. They're mostly good. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes
1: it's just you wanting to
0: punch other people in the press box. Yes, that is very true. The the I only have a beef like my beef with people talking during the game, and and you know that sounds like me saying I get too chatty with um, everyone, or if I were to have too many spirits, is everyone else has the same feeling, but my I only get annoyed with that. Action when that when what you're annoyed with is clearly the wrong thing. So like, there's I was watching BYU Navy last night, Uh and um, BYU. I was going to bring that up. Yeah, BYU threw an interception, and uh, the linebacker did for Navy did a really good job of. um, You're supposed to collision the tight end if you're if you're dropping into a hook zone, you're you're essentially trying to knock anyone running through that area off their route so a safety can kind of have time to get there and provide better spacing. So Navy's linebacker did a really good job dropping into a hook zone, catches the wide receiver, catches the tight end. I think tight end or wide receiver by the hip and causes him to stumble the ball. It was a rhythm throw. Uh, the quarterback threw it on rhythm, but the tight end had gotten knocked off his route threw it right to a safety. If you are then irritated with the quarterback for having like, why did you throw that ball or why did you throw the interception? it is not the quarterback's fault in any way that pre-release the route was fine. As the ball's in the air, he gets his hip checked and it's the receiver's fault for not getting over the linebacker. And so my chattiness gets, uh, generally I try and stay like, Oh, this is the thing that happened. I get irritated when people are like, why'd you throw that pass? It's not his fault. It's not his fault, Jared. It's not
1: his fault. No, it is not. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, I was going to bring up that Navy-BYU game because you talk about rush, and I think that – and even um, Ken Niem, to Yeah, he, uh, he said this in his post-game press conference. Navy had not played full-on contact football yet this year. Yep. They had not tackled anyone since their bowl game. Right. And I think that that was blatantly clear by their performance mm-hmm. last night. Uh, they did not look like a team that was prepared to go and play a full contact
0: mm-hmm. tackle football team. Football. Well, I think that is, yeah, that's going to be the interesting thing for the entire, like I said, probably the first three weeks is how, how does your preparation equate to actual games? Right. So when you're, and, you, and when you're practicing, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to tackle all the time because like tack, you, you can't replicate tackling. Like, you're going to need to scrimmage at some point and practicing tackling like once would be good. Um, but the things that are more obvious that Navy wasn't doing very well is they weren't fitting right. Like defensively, their linebackers were all over the place for the most part in their, in run fits. Like instead of, let's say you're responsible for the B gap, which is, between the guard and the tackle. If you're responsible for the B gap, you have to get there. You have to, and when you are there, you have to hold that. You have to get in the guard's way and then stop there. You have to either penetrate that or stop that gap. Well, what Navy was doing is they weren't used to taking on that contact. So when they were contacted by a guard, they would get pushed all the way by, or they try and spin around it. Well, if you spin around that contact or try and get, or, and, and, or try and avoid that contact, cause you're not used to hitting someone that big, then, that lane is open you no, you've no longer occupied that gap and byu i think at one point during the game i turned it off at halftime um it, i think byu is averaging 10.4 yards per carry and where that comes from is not fitting right because you don't get to 10.4 yards per carry if it's all after contact like if it's the you know if it's barry sanders like maybe he's at 10 yards of carry because he made 13 guys miss going a play but usually it's the defense isn't there in the right spot not necessarily missed tackles so to take that to Iowa state, Louisiana, this Saturday, who is more able to fit because both offenses are really good they're, Both offenses are going to be quality. And I think both offenses return enough players that they're going to have rhythm established at least a little bit like Purdy to Charlie Kolar or uh Brees hall and this offensive line, which the offensive line might be a little bit of a question, but I think they've probably got enough togetherness at this point. Um, the offenses or the the Levi kid um, for Louisiana, like they they're going to have the rhythm there. It's which defense is going to be better equipped to fit and tackle. Like that's the question because you can't replicate fitting and tackling at full speed other than fitting and tackling at full speed. So I, the rust factor to me is a huge, like I wouldn't be surprised to see because this is the first main Saturday of like actual college. I wouldn't be surprised to see an upset or two or five just because the practicing the the lower ranked or underdog team practiced or is able to more efficiently simulate these environments versus the higher ranked team. Could that higher ranked team be better? And if you were to play six weeks from now, they beat the hell out of them. Yes. But like this first week, rust is going to be a big deal.
1: Yeah. And I think that it, when you look at the way Louisiana plays, especially um, where they're really going to try and run the football against Iowa state, this is gonna be a game where Iowa State is I mean, whoever is starting at nose tackle is gonna get a challenge right off the bat. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and then those linebackers are gonna to have to come out and, and play at a high level as well. Uh, just because of the sheer nature of, of Louisiana Monroe or Louisiana dude, I was on a I was on a Louisiana podcast last night and I called them Louisiana Monroe. You <laughs> would have thought that they I mean, I thought they were gonna kill me, dude. They were gonna to drive to Iowa and murder me. You, uh,
0: you, Yeah, it's a rivalry game. Your fault.
1: Well, it's like if I'd called Iowa State the Hawkeyes, you know. Yeah. And, well, probably more in – I mean, think what Louisiana Monroe – what do you think what happened to them last year when they came to Ames? Like, it's probably even worse.
0: Well, it, I just don't I, – I doubt that um, that happens as far as the 70-something. No, is. no,
1: that's not going to happen. No, no. But that, that's what I'm saying. It Just at the end of the day, it's like – if there's anybody on Iowa State's defense, that's really going to have to be on top of it. And that's going to have a great challenge as Matt Campbell would say, it's going to be that defensive line. It's going to be those linebackers um, because Louisiana is going to come up here and they're going to line it up and they're going to run and run and run and run. Uh, And then they'll shock you and throw a pass every once in a while too. But that, I think that that when you look at like it's, probably pretty easy when you're Levi Lewis to throw 26 touchdowns and for 3,000 yards when you consider the fact that you've got two running backs who have run for like 6,000 yards in their career you know Mm -hmm. it it, they just sit there and they're like hey we know what we do and then the quarterback
0: is just going to be a high level game manager I respect that and I they've they've got a, a a lot of talent in the backfield um And I think their backs are genuinely good. Like, they're they're not just kind of system backs that it's a a pro run system in the Sun Belt. Uh, They're genuinely good running backs. The good news that Iowa State has to counter that is, um, well, the question mark is nose tackle. What's that going to look like? The good news is Iowa State has like 26 linebackers that they can rotate in. And where a nose tackle, um, if a nose tackle isn't being great, or being, let's call it adequate, not even great. Vino's tackle isn't being adequate. It means the linebacker has to deal with a lot more pressure than he wants, which is going to fatigue him, which over time is going to make the running game just pop. Well, Iowa State can rotate, and, you know, let's say Orion Vance is getting tired. Pull him out, Jerry Vaughn. I mean, granted, it's not the same level. That's why a starter's a starter. Um, But you have a bunch of depth at linebacker that you can rotate these guys in that, if the nose tackle isn't being as effective as they need to be, you have some kind of way to mitigate that. Um, And I think if, so if Iowa state does what they want to do well, I don't think this is going to be, I don't think this Iowa state offense is going to be the Texas tech offense where it's like 15 snaps every five, like five seconds. It's not going to be this hugely amazingly um, high tempo offense they're going to have the capacity to do that. Like they're going to be able to, when they want to put the gas, put their foot in the gas or want to, they can go. Um, I kind of correlate this to like Oklahoma in the Landry Jones days where they normally weren't a like uh, up to super high up-tempo offense. They were really good at that when they did it. But most of the time, they're just going to turn around and give it to, you know, whatever four-star running back they had back there. Well, Iowa State has Brees Hall plus a whole stable of running backs behind him. I think Iowa State's offense is going to be based on, you know, a a twelve yard curl to Charlie Kolar, and then the next play is going to be a six yard run to Brees Hall. And the next play is, you know, incompletion. And then we're going to be in your third and four or whatever. Like you can end up in these um, end up in these good down and distance situations. So if Iowa State does what it needs to correctly, and they're able to get one or two stops if they're effectively moving the ball down the field. You're gonna have to, you're kind of have to force Louisiana out of the game, out of the game they want to play, which is the same. Like they're gonna want to play a similar style game of run the ball, control the tempo, and take your shot when you want to. So, yeah, I'm I'm interested on rust on one side and then tempo on the other for how each offense and defense is gonna work.
1: I also feel like if there's a team that is um prepared to be able to withstand the rust I guess mm-hmm. I would think Iowa State would be one of them considering how many veterans they have mm-hmm. you know especially defensively I mean they just got so many guys that are back from before that it almost seems like it's so all right, we got two pieces to plug in Jake Hummel has played with this group a lot already you know So there's
0: basically one
1: Yeah well and then even like Isaiah Lee has played a lot you know, with those guys. And, and then you do have to replace one of your safeties. But I think they've got some pretty dang good players that can uh, step into those spots. But um, it's like, all right, let's roll the balls out there. And let's go let these guys hit some people, mm-hmm. you know. And, and obviously, that's not really what it is. Like they're learning the scheme and all those kinds of things. And they're going to be playing into the scheme. But there's so many of those guys that already know the scheme, you know, it's like, they they know their jobs that they need to do and yeah. uh as long as they're able to to get out there and do it effectively then i think that they can be okay on that side of the ball and it's it's similar on offense the only position that i really have a major concern about is that offensive line and that's just because they're going to be young uh they're going to be inexperienced and and you just hope that they have been able to gel and uh and will be prepared to step out there and play against a Uh, against a a solid opponent in week one because there have been times in the past couple years where that group maybe by the end of the season was adequate to maybe above average. But early on in the year, they were atrocious. You know, I think Mm -hmm. even last year, you look at that offensive line that they were putting out there was not very good at the start of the season. Uh, The offensive line that they put out there against Iowa two years ago was not any good so that group is one that I you know Louisiana returns one guy I think from their starting their starting defensive line maybe two but I just I'm not too concerned about that group but I'm concerned about Iowa State's offensive line and how well they're going to be prepared to step in to play a a game like this have they released a
0: formal depth chart yet no, they're releasing it tomorrow. If you had to project, so like there's, you know, you to five different websites and, um, Triber, Downing, Newell, Hudson, Ramos. Like, is that, that's at least one site that I found of just like a yeah, random hypothetical.
1: If I had, if we were going to like put Vegas odds on it, that would probably be the odds on favorite, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I think that there's probably one where maybe even Sean Foster's at one of the tackle positions. Yeah. Uh, I think that mostly, though, you're probably about... I think there's maybe one where uh, Derek Schweiger is either at center or at one of the guard spots. Uh, but I think that, yeah, if if I had to say, like, an odds-on favorite, it would probably be the first one that you said with, with uh, Triper, Downing, Newell, Hudson, and Ramos, which one thing I will say... Man, a lot of talent. Yeah, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of talent there. We haven't gotten to see much of it yet to this point. But I wasn't going to say that. You want to talk about a big old group of dudes, man? Holy crap! <laughs> well, big Big Rob is that's he's, six, uh, he's listed on the roster. I was I was doing this yesterday. Big Rob is on the roster at six foot. Six, Seven, I think. I'm pulling it up. He is on the roster. at six foot seven, three hundred sixty pounds. Large human. Joey Ramos is six, five, 303. Grant Triber is six six three twenty three. Um. Colin Newell. I'm looking at call I'm looking for Colin Newell. Scrolling. He is six four three zero four, and then. Trevor Downing is six four three fourteen. So
0: man, it's his weight's about 330, 320. Tough break
1: for uh tough break for uh, Colin Newell and, and Trevor Downing when they're the shortest guys in the starting offensive line at six foot four.
0: Well the fun thing is is um so I I feel like Big Rob is going to have his so that's the right guard, which I think the guard spots, guard center guard I think is more or less set, right? Mm-hmm. Like I mean, granted, like you said, it might be Schweiger. Um, but the if you're if you're guard center guard of Downing, Newell, Big Rob, that is you got some road graders in there. Which Newell isn't necessarily. So I've already I've I've talked about offensive linemen, either either technicians or road or uh, maulers. One of those two. You know, a technician is your. You're you're super athlete that's able to you know athletically move around, be really technically sound. And then there's your mauler, which is I'm stronger than you, and I'm going to move you even though you might know that it's happening. Um, you got two maulers there with Downing and Big Rob, and then Newell's more of a technician. He's not so much a he's not a guy that's going to like take you and throw you out the bar. But if you put a technician in between two maulers, then that's where you start getting. You could just tell Rob like if you're six seven if, if he's if his footwork is good at six seven three sixty, you can tell the nose tackle, hey we're going to combo block you to that linebacker, and the nose tackle can know it's coming, and if if someone that size does his job, it doesn't matter because he's going to move them out of the way anyway right where I think he's there potentially could be um, some issues is if he's not necessarily quick enough to pick up like spins moves like stunts like this are really fast like an Aaron Donald type you know no one's Aaron Donald but like a a really quick interior move something like that that's going to get by Newell or him that could be where you potentially run into trouble but um, if that is the interior line you can make up for um, not necessarily having the best technique ish by just being bigger and stronger than everyone else and Downing is a strong dude and Hudson is a strong dude so then you're your tackles are more or less kind of dealing with that. And if you have Ramos and Hudson again, so it kind of reminds me of, and I wa- like watching film on big Rob, it, it reminds me a little bit of Hayworth um, Hayworth Hicks. When I was there, which is the strongest dude who's actually athletic that can literally do anything physically he wants to do, but sometimes mentally doesn't know where to go in the right spot. But if you have Colin Newell and let's say Ramos, I don't know much about Ramos. Let's say Newell knows because Colin Newell plays, has played every offensive line position. So he knows what's going on. So if you have Colin Newell at center and you have Ramos at tackle, if Newell knows exactly what's happening, he can just tell Rob like that statement about telling a nose tackle, like, Hey, you're comboing this guy to that guy. And literally just tell it out loud. It doesn't matter. And if Ramos is more or less understanding of the playbook, then he can do the same thing on the other side be like, Hey, watch this defensive end. He's going to stunt to you. And then you can just go, got it. And if you can just get him in the right spot, then like, that's, that was the thing with Hayworth. Like I remember we were playing Iowa. It was the steel Jance game. We were playing Iowa. They had Mike Daniels at the time. And Mike Daniels has had a what, pro bowl career, like four pro bowls for the Packers. Mm-hmm. We isolated Hayworth on Mike Daniels and he stoned him the whole game because it was just, you block him. It takes away the mental th- like the thinking of it on where everything goes. It's, we're going to set the protection. The man's side is going to go to Hayworth almost every time because we want Hayworth to block that dude. And then you don't have to think about it. So there's ways to mitigate it. So I'm, I, the offensive line, um, they're big dudes and they're very talented. It's just a matter of if you know where you're going and if, if your center knows what's happening and your tackles more or less know what's happening, guards, It's nice that they know what's happening, but it's not necessary at this point in the game. Like once defenses have have been able to put in tweaks and wrinkles and stuff like that, all five guys have to be like totally aware. But if your center can just go, hey, they're going to twist, watch it. And then the guard can just watch what's happening. He doesn't have to see it himself. He just has to do what the center tells him to do. So um, yeah, the offensive line is going to be sort of a question. Uh, but the talent, size, and strength of these guys is is the best that we have seen since, yeah, Ko Hayworth. Like that kind of that kind of talent is it's the best that I've seen in ten years.
1: Yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. I mean, I think honestly, dude, even if you just look at the, I mean, there there was a period where they were rolling out offensive lines that had like five eleven dudes on them. Mm-hmm. you know, and Pat that's Scoggins. what, huh? Yeah. Scoggins? Patrick, Sch- Patrick, Sch- Hey, Hey, that was He's a, rec- that was a record breaking offensive line with Wendell Ty Patrick Scoggins, uh, Jameson Locke, uh, who was it? The, uh, Tony. JP Phil um, and Jay Campos. So don't criticize that group. record breaking. Which records? Uh, Mike Warren, single-season oh, okay. freshman rushing
0: record. Okay, sorry. My fault. Give them the credit where it's due, please. That was a fine offensive
1: line. <laughs> fine. I was not being serious, Jeff. They probably gave up <laughs> about 50 sacks, too. Uh, <laughs> that's that's the part that I didn't mention. Um, but, no, I was – it that's just what one of the craziest things about this transition, like for Campbell and even these last couple years where they've kind of been doing like a plug and play thing where you just like, where you have a hole, you put someone there, you know, mm-hmm. and they've played some walk-ons and stuff like that, which, you know, shout out to Colin Olson, shout out to Brian Shedda, shout out to Nick Fett, all those guys, you know, they, all of them did their jobs, but uh to the best of their abilities. But now you're starting to get into these kids that they've recruited that are like genuine big 12 sized offensive linemen, you know, mm-hmm. and, and have big 12 offensive linemen talent. And and that's what I think that the floor is lower for, or is higher for this group, but it's like how high is their ceiling in their first year together? Because if it's, a, if it's that group that we read off before, I mean, uh, Colin Newell's the oldest one. He's a junior. Yeah. Like that's an offensive line that could legitimately be together for three years.
0: Because this year doesn't count. This, yeah, this year doesn't for count. Everybody.
1: Yeah. This year doesn't count.
0: That's fun. Um, yeah, no, I think that the, the, it's an interesting, it, the, yeah. You, you talk about rust and we met, I kind of waved over the offensive line. Um, they're going to need to communicate with each other, but really having an experienced. Okay. So we'll talk about like baseball and football in this way are, are, are makes sense as you build from the middle, like a midline and you build from midline out. Um, And if you can be good in the mid intelligent in the midline out, then you're, It makes your job easier. So on offense, that's your center and your quarterback. If your center and your quarterback are smart and on the same page, then they get everyone else beside them smart and on the same page. Like, you want a receiver to know what's happening because then you get Larry Fitzgerald because, you know, the smartest receiver to ever play, or Jerry Rice. Like, those guys, they can identify coverages and stuff, but – if the quarterback knows what's going on, he can just point to the receiver and just say it's cover two, And then the receiver can go, got it. And same thing like we were talking about with, if the guard doesn't know exactly what he's doing on a, on a combination, usually they'll have some kind of like some word like lucky, lucky or lucky, lucky four lucky, lucky four, and they'll like lucky means go left and four means which linebacker you're going to, whatever. They're like, they're going to have combinations and codes and stuff like that, that the defense doesn't know exactly what's happening. Um, But if you, if the center knows what's going on, then he can literally just turn to his left and just go, we're comboing combo to the 52 and they're going to move like, then they can just get stuff going. So if the center and the quarterback on offense know what's happening, they can just get everybody else set in that group. And the good news that Iowa state has is they have, One between Ellinger and Purdy, I mean, those are your two most experienced and I would say best quarterbacks in the league. And, you know, Spencer Rattler, not experienced, really talented. We'll see. Like Ellinger and Purdy between those two guys, and then I guess Baylor. But you get, when you have a confident quarterback who knows what's going on, he can get everyone else set. He can tell, he literally, the quarterback can just literally look over the running back and be like, we're running zone read to the left. Got it on defense, it's the same thing where if you can do Mike linebacker and your one of your safeties, usually your strong safety, which Iowa state Mike Rose as a Mike linebacker likely or Orion Vance, either one experienced. And then, um, Greg guys at safety. And then your nose tackles the only one of those, um, that is unsure, but your Mike linebacker can tell him what's happening. So your Mike and your safety. So literally again, in, in a situation where if someone doesn't know what's going on, Mike Rose can literally go up and slap whoever the, the defensive tackle is in the hip and go like, Hey, B gap, B gap, B gap. And just literally tell him what he's doing. And it does you, you don't have to think. So Iowa state is in the position where center Colin Newell, very experienced Brock Purdy quarterback, very experienced defense, Mike linebacker, Mike Rose, very experienced, strong safety, Greg Eisworth, very experienced. So rust from that standpoint, they're going to know what's going on because they've played enough football to just understand it. Like maybe the first quarter is a little bit shaky and weird because it is 2020, but they're going to find their flow really, really quickly. Um, other teams may not have that same luck. I'm not hundred percent sure on Mike linebacker, strong safety quarterback center for um, Louisiana. I know their quarterback's probably good, but we'll see on, on what their ability to kind of come together is. The more people that know their job, the better, obviously. But if you can be middle out intelligent, you're good. Cause then that safety, again, think about like, you know, the, the objection is corners need to go. it's gone. Of course, every football player needs to know what's going on. But if the corner doesn't know what's happening, that's what, if you watch the defensive backs, they're always going to have some kind of hand signal to say like what you're doing. They'll just, the corners can, if they don't know, they'll just look back and they'll look at the safety. Who's going to make some hand signal to say like, Hey man, or it's cover four or something like that. Like, they can just make a hand signal to say, Hey, you're doing this. And then point to a guy and be like, watch him. So they can just go, you know, that's why your, your Harrison Smith is granted. It's the NFL. It's different, but like some guy like Harrison Smith is so valuable because they can say, Hey, do this, watch this. That guy's going to do that because they have the best vantage point to see it. So um, are you looking up the returns on for Louisiana for quarterback center safety and
1: uh yeah, the center right. and the quarterback both return.
0: Which... Okay, so good Louisiana is gonna be in a similar position.
1: Uh they have a middle linebacker who returns. There's two middle linebacker positions listed on this depth chart that I'm looking at, but so they at least have someone who has played that mm-hmm. position coming back, and then both of their safeties are coming back.
0: So should be similar. So rust wise, this'll probably be a sharper game. I would guess this is gonna be a sharper game than what you'd see out of Navy, you know both teams would likely be sharper. Because if you can center it, if you're down that midline that's good, experienced, and smart, you're going to be pretty much fine for the rest of them.
1: For sure. All right, last thing that I want to cover, and then I've got to go because i got to cover the Matt Campbell press conference at noon. Um, And i got some other stuff to do before then. But what's going to be the impact of playing
0: without fans? I don't – I think the only impact of playing without fans – There's, there's a couple things. One is who knows what the crowd noise is going to be. Um, so if, if you don't know, um, what the, like, I think just the interest of not knowing what the sound is going to be, because everyone has a crowd noise loop that's, you know, 30 minutes long and they just play crowd noise and change the volume, whatever. Um, and like the NBA with their bubble, they just have two K's automated sound. They're just playing. So like there's sound that you can play, but we don't know what that's going to be yet. Um so we'll see. So is it regular sound if there's no sound? Let's say there's no stadium noise pumped in. So a couple of the games in like the Sun Belt or like I mean, um South Alabama and Southern Miss played uh, earlier this year and they had no crowd. They had no they had like 3,000 people in the stands So like basically that. a normal game. Basically a normal game. For South Alabama or uh, Southern Miss. But if there's no sound, then the thing that becomes a little that becomes different is the communication that you have is a lot of times muffled by crowd noise. Just so like, if you're counting, if you're a safety and you're trying to communicate with a corner, you have to do it via hand signals and you can kind of be a little bit, you can yell at them and say, watch the curl by number two. The, and you know, whatever you can, if, if you know why film study that they're going to do something, then you can say, Hey, watch the, f- the curl by number two. They can hear that now. Like there's no, they kind of know what your communication is. So the difference becomes, uh, it's all flying at 7,000 miles an hour. So it's not like everyone hears everything, but if you're a wide receiver, if you're an offensive lineman, that it's sort of getting muffled by the noise usually, the other team has a better idea of what you're doing now. It, and if you if you talk, you know, you're gonna have to shout it to your team anyway. but if there's no sound at all, then it kind of level, it not necessarily levels the playing field, it makes the communication a lot more obvious and transparent to the other team. So they could have a better idea that, you know, what they're doing is coming. So like if you're a safety that says, Hey, watch a curl, watch the curl. And the quarterback, let's say Louisiana Monroe is, or it's not, not Monroe. I did it. Sorry. If Louisiana is, says the same thing to, uh, um, I don't know, Charlie. And is like, Hey, watch, watch the hitch, watch the hitch. And it actually is a hitch. And Brock hears that. Then he can just check what he wants to, and he can change the play because I know, you know what I know. So um, I don't know. That's the only thing that I think would be different. The energy level, the vibe is still going to be high. Like it, the, there's no issue with that. Like you're playing football, you're playing somebody else. It's it's an intense scrimmage. It's a, it's a game, whatever. It's just the communication aspects. I think are, are curious to me if you can hear it and you know, it's coming, what type of adjustments sit there, but then same thing with Iowa state or Louisiana, if you're smart down the middle, you can make the adjustments regardless.
1: For sure. All right, buddy. We'll uh we'll keep diving into the game some more on uh on Saturday morning, eight AM on fourteen sixty KXNO and now one oh six point three FM and the uh Iowa pork tailgate show. It's uh it's game home League, tailgates bro. home tailgates. Home tailgates. Uh, hopefully all, uh, too, not too much of our analysis will be outdated between Friday, late, mid to late afternoon and eight o'clock in the morning <laughs> on Saturday, which in I'm 2020, you
0: I would know. hope that things don't change that quickly, but yeah, it is 2020.
1: Yeah. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you in a couple of days then. All right. Sounds good. See you in a bit. See you.